minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hey, Pack a Day listeners. It's Sarah Kelleher from the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. As all of us are learning how to navigate through what are some unprecedented times, our team here at Packaday, as well as the team at Cheesehead TV, will be joining forces to help those who need it. With recent COVID-19 related school closures, job disruptions, and health risks, millions of Americans will turn to local food banks for much needed support. Together, our teams are raising money to benefit Feeding America, the nation's largest domestic hunger relief organization. Our fundraising campaign will run through March 26th to April 3rd, and all proceeds will go towards Feeding America's efforts to providing meals to those who need it across the nation. For more information, you can visit the Packaday Twitter at Packaday Podcast or check out any of our team's Twitter profiles. We hope you'll join us on our week-long effort to support those who truly need it. Thank you in advance for your contribution. Thank you for always listening. And as always, go Pack Go! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. It is episode 613 today as we break down the whole NFC North and see how they've done it for agency, what they're looking forward to in the draft, and how Green Bay stacks up to the rest of the NFC North. My name is Mike Welland. Alongside me, Tyler Grezegorik, as well as Chris Schimmel. As it's been a crazy week, it's been a crazy free agency period. And a lot of great things going on as well through the Packaday podcast. We have been raising money through a GoFundMe for Feeding America. Uh, so check out anyone's Twitter account as well. We've raised well over $1,000 already. We're continuing to up the goal. And and Tyler, I know you've definitely put a lot of focus on this as well, I guess. Th- this is such a great cause, and we, I, know, I know all of us are really proud to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it, when um, I'm not even going to, you know... Sh- shy of giving the fame to Sarah Kelleher because she deserves all of it. She brought it up to us and it was an immediate yes, let's do this. It was it was such a great idea and I, I'm I'm so happy to be just a part of something like that. And like you said, I think within twenty four hours we hit a thousand dollars, which was our initial goal. Definitely not enough because our our fans and followers are just amazing. So um I think the goal now is five thousand, which I'm I'm confident we'll hit. Uh and uh, yeah, so please, please jump on to any one of our Twitter profiles on the Facebook for the Packaday Podcast, on the Twitter for the Packaday Podcast. You can find the link. I'm sure that Sarah Kelleher has it plastered all over her uh, Twitter profile. So please jump over there. And uh, if you can give a dollar or two or more, um, you know, we would greatly appreciate it. I think, you know, we've all done the same. So um, just trying to support those that are, that are, more in need of us or those who are more in need in period at, at, in this time of the coronavirus pandemic. So um, if you can give, uh, I think everybody greatly, greatly appreciates it. Absolutely. I echo that. And uh, I think Chris, you agree with that as well. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. So like Tyler said, go to any of our Twitter accounts, uh, Sarah, I know, like you said, she's the one who's kind of running this whole thing. She's the one who came up with the idea. So just find any of us on Twitter, and it's you'll be able to find the link to the GoFundMe. And all the money goes directly to Feeding America, and we can't be more thankful for for you guys who have donated, those of you who have helped raise the awareness. And it is it's a great cause, and we're really really thankful that we have such a great people who list group of people who listen, subscribe, and who are donating as well. So it's it is truly one of the highlights of my year so far to to see the engagement from that. 
But with that being said, we are a Packers-centered football podcast, so with things kind of slowed down in the sports world, free agency really has not. We're now kind of in that second, third wave, and the Packers have made a couple minor moves recently, obviously bringing back Tyler Irvin, and we just got the contract deals for Devin Funchess, and when you look at the deals that the receivers have gotten, this is one of the biggest steals when you think about as far as cap space goes, bringing in Funches for a cap hit of just over $2.6 million. And if if he pans out and he becomes wide receiver two for a year, that's all the better for Brian Gutekunst and staff. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse So it's a one year, I think it was about $2.75 million. Uh, there's no, almost no risk to it. When you look at the deal as a whole, in terms of what the Packers need, it's it's tremendous. It's going to give Aaron Rodgers what apparently Brian Gutekunst has been searching for in a big body for Rodgers to kind of use in the red zone. I wouldn't be surprised to see Funches really kind of thrive in that role because that's what he's done early on in his career when he has been successful. He's had the tools to be successful. Otherwise, I don't believe that he has a long-term future in Green Bay. But that's okay. If if Funchess's main goal and the understanding of the Packers organization is for him to come in and really make a name for himself and go get a big contract next offseason, I think that that's mutually beneficial to both parties. And that's really what both parties are looking for right now. And so the the vision and the goals are going to be the same. Unfortunately, he had his season shortened in Indy. Uh, I think he broke his collarbone early. If I remember, it was collarbone, but... He got injured early, and he missed the rest of the season, and he wasn't able to go and prove himself on that prove-it deal, which was a one-year, I believe, $10 million uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. And so he comes into Green Bay on this prove-it deal, and I'm, I'm confident in, in the ability and the talent of Funches to, to really do so. No, I agree with you. And the other thing that gets overlooked is also he hasn't played with a super-accurate quarterback his entire career. For as good as Cam Newton was, accuracy was not his strongest point. And with a catch radius like Funches has, if you can put it right where it needs to be, he can go out, go up, and get the football and make some plays. And I think playing with a guy like Aaron Rodgers will only help him maximize that massive frame that he has. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Funches and the contract and, and the deal that they got for him? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was like the perfect uh, scenario. One-year prove it deal. I agree that I don't see him really having much of a future in Green Bay. But then again, if they can draft somebody early on and then have these other players develop, then they can, uh, he, he would, if he moves on to a new deal, the Packers can just plug somebody else in. But also just the overall three players the Packers got this this uh, offseason, you know, with uh, Wagner and Kirksey and Funches, it has a combined hit of just 11.2. So when it comes to numbers, uh, Funches wasn't the only good deal I feel like they've got this offseason. All three combined are pretty darn good, especially given the Packers didn't have as much uh, uh, salary cap space compared to last year. I saw it on, on Twitter when I was at work on Saturday, and I, I can't remember who it was. Sorry for not crediting you, but they made the point that the cap hits for, for the three signings combined is less than Corey Littleton's. Got in, got in Las Vegas. So that, that's always kind of an interesting thing to to realize. And you're right, the, the work Russ Ball has done managing the cap with these signings has been exceptional. And it's really helped the Packers potentially separate themselves a little bit from what we've seen from the rest of the North because a lot of the other three teams have had some pretty major losses and a lot of cap problems going forward, especially in Chicago and Minnesota. And I guess kind of looking f- forward through that. But before we jump in, we, we talk about uh, 
Funchess's role, if it's only for one year. We were talking before we started recording. There's a really a five man race for that wide receiver two spot. It's it's going to be Funchess, MVS, St. Brown, Alan Lazard, and most likely a top top two round rookie. So that that's good competition to have. They're they're all talented guys. They need to step up more, but they're, that's a lot of talent to battle for for what's quickly becoming a kind of crowded receiving room. Well, and if you've followed this Pack-A-Day podcast, and specifically my shows with Mike uh, and Chris as of recent, you know you know that the biggest thing I preach for when you get into training camp is competition because that's how you're going to get these guys to really give their all and give their, their, their best every single play, every single snap, every single rep in practice. That's how you're going to get the best out of these guys. If somebody comes into training camp complacent, like, I got the role, I got the job, you know, not every guy is going to understand that there's somebody waiting in the wings to take his job. You don't get a Kenny Clark who's had his job locked up for a couple of years now. You don't get an Aaron Rodgers who, who as, as much as people like to, we'll say, hate on his attitude, he definitely understands that he has to put in the work to become better. I think, unfortunately, age is starting to get the better of Aaron Rodgers, but that's a conversation for another day. You know, you don't always get these guys who have that mentality, so you have to you have to breed competition across the roster. It doesn't matter what position it is. And so I'm very excited already for this wide receiver group going into training camp, hopefully in July, uh, hopefully in July and August and then the preseason. But, you know, I'm just very excited for it because it's – like last year, it was a very exciting time because Gutekunst splurged on certain positions in free agency. This year, he's addressing minor holes with Band-Aids, we'll call them, and Kirksey Wagner and uh, Funchess. But he's doing it dunk, uh, while diving through the, the bargain bin. And it, it's, it's definitely an exciting time because they haven't had to really shed um, any real talent at, at this point. No, absolutely. And when you look at this, this is very much the... Baltimore Ravens type way is you one year you can make some big moves but you basically patch and you find guys who fit what you're doing fit your locker room and go from there this is very much the Aussie Newsome type way and you and I've hyped it for, for now over a year is how, how important Milt Hendrickson has been and and you you could definitely see his fingerprints on a lot of these moves as far as bringing guys in especially someone like Kirksey who he saw a lot in when he was with Baltimore in that AFC North and speaking of Kirksey He's definitely starting to fit in already where he's he's not with the team, obviously, but he's tweeting out D-Train and tagging the Smiths saying he's ready to rock and he's starting his workouts. And just the these three guys, you can tell, are all start, are, are fitting in pretty quickly into the, into the Packer fold. Well, can we talk about how I feel like there are different factions within the team? Because you have the offensive line. I feel like a different personality is going to fit into that offensive line, and that's going to be the quieter type, the Brian Bulaga type, the guy that's just going to go out there and do his job. And then you have the defense, the entire defense right now, which is pretty boisterous and just kind of in your face and just like pumped up and excited. It's really interesting to watch, but Kirksey has really taken the reins, and uh, he's taken being a Packer by storm. And uh, I don't think he can wait to join his teammates, and I don't think they can wait to have him there. It's going to be a good time, and I think Rick Wagner's going to fit in well with the offensive line as well. Um, it's really interesting to watch these different factions of players develop. Absolutely, and then you have like the weird father-son type thing on special teams, which adds it even more with Crosby and, and J.K. Scott. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. There's so much with that, and and Chris, I'm sure you noticed that as well. I guess, what are your thoughts on what, what Tyler just said, Jess? 
there there is like this dichotomy between the offense and defense, but yet there's still one unit in the locker room. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know that just reminds me. I know you said the quiet Bulaga type, but I remember it was a couple of years ago. The Packers drafted an offensive lineman. I, I forget who it is, but all of a sudden I saw a tweet from a TJ Lang saying, "Congratulations, uh, I uh, like two two things of a uh, cream in my coffee and no sugar." <laughs> So I just I just think of like that when uh, when new guys come into the locker room or young guys. But Kirksey, being that he's a veteran, I feel like he's going to come right in and be a leader right away, especially given that, you know, this isn't necessarily like a prove it deal like uh, Funches got. But he's going to try to prove that he can be back to that 2017 self. And but, yeah, I can see, you know, the different factions in the locker room, like everyone remembered how boisterous, you know, Mike Daniels was. But then Kenny Clark seems pretty quiet. So it, it's interesting to see all these different personalities blend together to, uh, into one unit. And those are the teams that make it far into the playoffs or the teams that, you know, can beat as one, even though uh, some players may march to the, you know, sound of their own drum. But at the end of the day, they all need to be working together. And I think Kirksey is definitely going to fit right in. And I think Wagner too. And I think Funches will too. Well, it's really interesting because a couple, a couple off seasons ago, I would have said this team needs a leader. They need a guy like a Mike Daniels to really step up. And then they go and draft a guy like Jair Alexander, who has all the charisma in the world. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, this guy is the leader that this team needs. And then they go in the following offseason and, and sign a guy like a Darius Smith and a Preston Smith, who instantly became best friends. And then they join a Darnell Savage who has charisma as well. He's a little bit quieter of a guy, but he's got the charisma too that you need in a defense to really kind of have that edge and that, that spunk. And now all of a sudden, this is a completely transformed unit and there is just energy emanating off of everybody in this unit. And I'm so incredibly excited for it. I know that they haven't made the big move this offseason. They haven't made that big move yet. I feel like there's something coming. They're going to add, I don't know if it's on offense, I don't know if it's on defense, they're going to add somebody, and it's going to get everybody excited. And the excitement for this team is just going to continue to build as we get closer to the 2020 season. Absolutely. And just one aside, I think about the three guys they brought in now, there's that quiet confidence of being a Big Ten Midwest type player. Obviously, Funches from Michigan, Wagner from Wisconsin, Kirksey from Iowa. Those are three Big Ten NFL hotbeds right now and having those three guys who have played in the elements around this area and have played in these these Midwest cities a lot I think that that helps a little bit as well and as long as Ricky Wagner does announce himself as Rick Wagner Wisconsin much like Belaga did with Iowa he's going to endear himself just fine to Packers fans I think everybody's looking for that. Everybody, everybody's looking for the Belaga replacement right now. And, you know, maybe Wagner can't live up to it physically and, and, and talent-wise, but I, <laughs> the lack of personality, if you want to put it that way, maybe maybe he can fill that shoe. Absolutely. Well, that being said, we said at the top we were going to look at the NFC North, so I think we should just kind of jump into that now. It's been an off-season of adventure for the other three NFC North teams, whether it's Detroit trying to become New England, uh, New England Midwest, the Bears bringing in another quarterback and giving out the most ludicrous Chris contract in the, in the off-season to Jimmy Graham, or Minnesota basically cutting everything with legs on their defense. There, There's just so much going on. So just, just let's just jump in and start talking about these guys. And let's, let's start with Chicago. 
well known as the probably the biggest rival historically to the Packers. They've made some really confusing moves, to say the least, as far as what they're trying to do. Of course, the biggest one besides the Graham signing trading for Nick Foles and absorbing a pretty good size of that contract. And that, that to me, shows that their lack of trust in Mitchell Trubisky and they're still trying to compete for, for a championship. But has Foles really done anything outside of Philadelphia? And is that going to happen in Chicago? I, I don't know. Chris, what are your thoughts on Chicago's offseason? Because I'm not impressed. Oh, not impressed. Um, I, I have them as the biggest loser of the offseason so far. I mean, trading for Nick Foles, you know, four years, $88 million contract. But to me, that's a it's a slap in the face to Trubisky after what the GM, uh, Ryan Pace, said uh, just last month. He said, uh, here I have the quote, quote about Mitch Trubisky. We believe in him. We believe in the player. We believe in the person. We believe in the trajectory that he's on. We believe we need to be better around him, and that's what this time of year is all about. And that's through things we're doing with coaches, things we're doing with scheme, things we're doing with the personnel. They all grow at different rates, and it's just projecting his growth. And then a month later, they they get Nick Foles. So I don't I don't really know. It's kind of hard to believe a GM after he says one thing and then does another. But yeah, Nick Foles, you know, he struggled last year. He broke his collarbone. He came back and got benched. So who knows? I know I think he does have a history with Matt Nagy uh, and and the Bears offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, but he's taking a fifteen point six million dollar cap hit. So this is uh, rolling the dice. I don't know if you know the Bears are probably trying to do creative tension between Foles and Mitch Trubisky, kind of like what uh, you know when Bill Walsh brought in Steve Young to you know nip at the heels of Joe Montana to get him to play better. Maybe they're looking at that. But even then, this this is a risky move. I'm not sure if it's going to play out. What do you guys think? I'll just take it and looking at what you said about Ryan Pace talking about Mitch Trubisky, you know, he said that they have to get better around him. I'm trying to give Ryan Pace the benefit of the doubt here. Does that not include the backup quarterback in, in, in a young guy in Mitch Trubisky? Does that not include a guy who can come in with loads of experience? And you can say that Nick Foles is one of those guys and, Arguably, he's one of the best backup quarterbacks you can have in this league. I think he's the best backup quarterback, too. To have there, the there you go. See, and I think that that plays into it. I, yeah, the cap it, hit is It one is true, thing. but that's the thing I was going to say, though, is the cap hit that's huge. Because they're not going to be able to really maybe go out and get a huge weapon like an Austin. They could maybe got an Austin Hooper or Eric Ebron instead of getting Jimmy Graham, you know, it, they could have gotten some guys, but now with that $15.6 million cap hit, that's really going to be tough in the future, I think. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't check up on the details of the trade, but it, the the Bears could have very well said, we're not taking on the guaranteed money. And at that point, Foles becomes expendable. Because if the Bears aren't touching the guaranteed money for Nick Foles, then what does it matter what his cap hit is? They can restructure the deal, they can cut him, they can move on. I, I honestly think it's a a move to try and help mentor Mitch Trubisky. Chase Daniel obviously was not the guy last year. You know, they thought he could be, but he was not. You know, if Nick Foles isn't a guy who can come in and help Mitch Trubisky maintain his composure, then I don't think anybody is at this point. And so I think that's kind of what it is. I think it's a last-ditch effort to really give Mitch all the help that he needs. You know, Jimmy Graham... 
I've been an advocate for Jimmy Graham. Don't get me wrong. I think that he was overly hated on in Green Bay. At the same time, he did not live up to his contract value. There were things that the Packers expected Jimmy Graham to do that he did not do, things that he could not accomplish, whether it was a mental or a physical lapse. I I do think he can help that offense. I do think that the Bears are looking for a Travis Kelsey type. Now, Travis Kelsey, don't get me wrong, I am not comparing him to Jimmy Graham one bit. However, I think the Bears are looking for a guy. It was not Trey Burton, who they thought it would be, who can stretch the field down the middle. I think Jimmy Graham can still be that guy. He just needs to he just needs to complete plays when they're presented to him. Rodgers did a good job of doing that. He did a good job of putting Jimmy in play in position to make plays. He just couldn't finish them. Not saying that Mitch Trubisky will, but I think that's the idea there. Now, I'm not giving Jimmy Graham $8 million a year like the Bears did. However, I can see what they're trying to do. And it's essentially a one-year deal. If you look at the guaranteed money, it's all guaranteed the first year. There's nothing guaranteed at all in the second year. It's a one-year deal. So basically, they're gambling on Jimmy Graham. Let's say he goes out and balls out in 2020. That way, you don't have to pay him anything different for 2021. All right, so I get it. I get the deal. I don't like it, but I get it. I get what the Bears are trying to do. Um, But still, it's a very questionable offseason entirely. I'm just trying to find the silver linings in all these things for the Bears because I don't want to hate them because they're the Bears. But at the same time, it's, it's very hard not to because of a lot of things they do. So we'll see how it all pays off for them. Yeah, not not to mention the fact that not only do they have limited cap room, they don't have a first-round draft pick this year. That is that is true. But then look at the other moves that they, they did make. Uh, they brought in Robert Quindry, placed Leonard Floyd, who they cut. They brought in Artie Burns to play corner, but... They lost Prince Mukamara. Uh, they lost Haha Clinton Dix. They they cut Taylor Gabriel. They lost Quit- Nick Kwiatkowski. Kyle Long retired, so that's a big sign on the offensive line that is gone. And the jury's still out on the coaching staff, where they had a great first year with Matt Nagy, but his coaching was less than inspiring last year with what he's done. So it's it's going to be interesting to and they and they did extend Danny Trevathan as well. So there's a lot that's really up in the air with this team. And they have a lot of holes to fill. And like Chris said, they don't have a top draft pick. They have the, with probably the best backup, but now the most expensive backup quarterback in the NFL. And the half their secondary is gone. Their slot guy is gone. And, and they're hoping some, a lot of resurgent guys who, who are change of scenery type. So whether the bears have found a way to jump from third to second or first is to be easy seen, but it's definitely been a risk offseason for Ryan Pace so far, and he's he's really pulling out all the stops to try and salvage what they had a couple years ago. Before we move on to, to the next team, can can either of you guys guess right now, without looking at a Bears depth chart, who their starting right guard would be if we started the 2020 season today? Nope. <laughs> um. I want to say Detroit guy is a joke, but I don't know. <laughs> Guarantee you've never heard of this guy because I've never heard of him. And I don't mean that. Is his like name hard to pronounce? Nope. <laughs> it's just a guy I've never heard of. Is it like a bland name like John Smith? <laughs> no, it's not that bland. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man, I don't know. His name is Rashad Coward. 
Mm. <laughs> okay, so, how, so how, long, looking... how long has he been in the league? Uh, let's check him out real quick. Behind him, ha- he has Jermaine Ifedi, who they did sign and who has some starting experience with yeah. the Seahawks. Um, but let's see here. He's 25, about to be 26 years old. Uh, he was he joined the NFL in 2017. Um, okay, so he's young. Yeah, so he's you know, in 2020. I think will be his fourth year in the NFL. Uh, certainly not a guy you're feeling super confident about if he's your starting right guard in 2020. Though. Is, so has he only has he only been with the Bears though? Was he yes. Okay. He's only been with the Bears for four years. He's not a young journeyman just making his way. Correct. But they do have Jermaine Ifedi, who I anticipate will actually start at the position. But it's a very interesting conversation nonetheless. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence either after watching Ifedi in Seattle. Exactly. So uh, we can move on now. I just wanted to quickly quiz you guys. No, that's a a great pull. But now let's move on to New England. I mean Detroit. With with Matt Patricia's basically agreeing to sign everyone who has possibly played for in Boston before, uh, Detroit. Where also I'm I'm using CBS Sports. I know Tyler, you are on our lads. They gave the Bears a D plus. This was three days ago. They gave Detroit an, an F. What? Uh, with with Detroit, here's who they lost. They traded Darius Slay to Philly, and he he burnt every bridge imaginable on the way out. Uh, he was very vocal about how much he did not like Matt Patricia. And I think that definitely led to his uh, departure. Uh, they got rid of Snacks Harrison. They got rid of Rick Wagner. Uh, Graham Glasgow left. Ashawn Robinson left. Rashawn Melvin left. Their punter left, Sam Martin. In the replacements, they brought in uh, Vitae from Philly, who got a 50, I think $50 million contract to go play right tackle, which was just a crazy contract for a guy who started – uh, very few games. Uh, they brought in Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton from New England. Uh, Nick Williams they brought in. Jaron Curse, Desmond Trufant, Chase Daniels other backup, and it seems like the Detroit's at least on paper is pretty solidified right now in fourth. And they they have made some very interesting moves, but I don't know if they've gotten better. And I think they may have gotten significantly worse with with the guys they lost. Yeah, we all know that going into this offseason, they had to uh, upgrade the defense that finished 31st in the league, and they had dead last, the worst pass defense. So I'm not surprised that in free agency that it's went after all defensive guys. But yeah, do they, they do you think that they either stayed the stayed uh, neutral or they took a, a step back? I'm going to go with, I think they took a step back and see. I think uh, they do have some draft picks, but... Yeah, I don't see them. Uh, I see them definitely last again in the NFC North. Yeah, and any time you trade a top ten, maybe top five corner for a third and a fifth, yeah, that that's that hurts. And then you lose both your defensive tackles. But yeah, so so when you have the worst pass defense in the league and you respond by giving up your best corner, that's not the best sign that your pass defense is going to definitely get better in one year. Well, I think this is one place you can lock in Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. I, I don't know how the Lions could pass up on him at this point. They, they, they need to take a corner. Uh, you know, their defensive line is also not that good. Um, <laughs> Danny Shelton and John Atkins are slated, slated in to be the starting defensive defensive tackles, and 
that's just not ideal. You know, Danny Shelton had a promising couple of first years with, with the Browns, and he's really fallen off since then because he's really just a nose tackle. He's not anybody who's going to provide anything else other than just eating up bodies. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not too familiar with John Atkins personally. So after that, it's not too promising. I mean, you have an Olive Sagapalu. If that, if that you know, rings anybody's bells from Wisconsin, you know, Olive Sagapalu might be starting for the Lions at some point. Uh, so was a little Packer last year for a while. He, yeah, he was. He was. But and then, you know, they've got Deshaun Hand waiting in the wings behind Trey Flowers. Awesome Bryant showed some flashes when he was at Clemson. But at the same time, it's just not a very exciting group. Um, you know, the Lions are going to Lion. I honestly think that's the saying of this offseason for them. It's, the Lions are going to do Lion things. When you're going to pay Halapuli Vati Vaitai, excuse me. Wow, I butchered the heck out of that. But. When you're going to pay Vitae that much money, I don't know what you're expecting to do because there's no way that Vitae was worth the amount of money that he got. And so you're looking at you know a guy like a Joe Dahl and a Halapuli Vati Vitae. I'm going to keep trying to say it until I get it right. And a Dan Skipper, when you're paying those three guys to, to really be starters on your offensive line, it's, it's, not, it's not good. So they, they've got a lot of holes to address. Matthew Stafford isn't getting any younger. You know, there's talks that the the, uh, the Lions, excuse me, should could move Matthew Stafford and, and really look to uh, take a rookie quarterback and build around him. And I think that would be smart because at this point, this roster isn't going anywhere. I think they're in roster purgatory. And if they don't make a, a significant move, then they're going to continue to be in roster purgatory. So they, they need to make a move, and they need to make a significant change there. Uh, and I don't think Matt, Matt Patricia particularly is the guy to lead that change. I'm with you 100%. And the thing we talk about Stafford, and you talk about bringing in a rookie, the big thing is if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback, you want a steady offensive line to protect him. Otherwise, he becomes David Carr. Or and Josh Rosen. With, or Josh Rosen or any Browns quarterback in the past 20 years. But <laughs> – with with Vitae getting like five times the money Rick Wagner got, and Wagner's been the more proven player over his career, despite having a rough year last year, he's been the more proven player. And then you give big money to Jamie Collins, who has only succeeded in New England. He was a failure in Cleveland, and you replace Darius Slay with Desmond Trufant. You bring on Jaron Kurz, who it remains to be seen what he can be as a starting safety yet, and it's. It's just baffling what this Detroit team is doing. And I agree with you. I think you have to pencil in Jeffrey Okuda as that third pick because they need anything and everything to fix that defense. And But then you talk about, again, with the offensive line, when you're facing a division six times a year that has Neil Hunter, Khalil Mack, the Smiths, that's just crazy pass rush skill for a line that is not going to be good with the way they're set up right now and, and De- Detroit, they, they could be again, a top five draft pick in 2021 with the way this roster is set up right now. Yep. So with that being said, let's move on further West and let's jump into Minnesota. Cause this one's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, CBS gave them a C minus and I'm going to quick check who the writer was. It, it was Sean Wagner, McGill, McGill, who did the writing Vikings made really one major move in the assigning that's Michael Pierce, who got a huge contract for a, for a two down player. But then you look at the notable departures 
and it seems like it's most of their starters. Obviously, the big one, Stephon Diggs being traded to Buffalo. Xavier Rhodes was released. Everson Griffin is gone. Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Linval Joseph, Andrew Sandejo, Josh Klein, J. Ron Curse, Stephen Weatherly. And then, and then they gave an extension to Kirk Cousins. And they got to think about signing Dalvin Cook yet. There's... <laughs> Minnesota is going all in this year, and I think Mike Zimmer knows it, and I think they're going all in. Otherwise, they're all gone in 2021. And but but this roster is now completely in, in purgatory, and they're in the biggest cap trouble I've seen since the Jaguars in the early 2000s. Before we get any deeper into this, I think a perfect snapshot of the way that this roster has been managed is the fact that they drafted Irv Smith in the second round last year. What did they do prior to drafting Irv Smith? Either one of you. Besides restructuring Rudolph? They extended Kyle Rudolph. What is the sense in doing that? I'm sorry, but who pays? Who pays two tight ends? Now, Irv Smith isn't being paid. You know, fair. But you're going to take up the life of his not being paid status with a paid Kyle Rudolph status. That's exactly how this roster is. It makes no freaking sense when you look at it across the board. And uh, like you said, this is a lot of fun. I'm having fun right now because critiquing this roster and what the moves that this team has made, they make no sense. And I don't know what direction this team is going in. And that's... I think that they're just gambling on their 12 draft picks, two in the first round this year. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's what they have to do. They have to, you know, uh, win the lottery in this draft. Potentially, but the big thing is, and they yes, they got a big haul for Diggs. Diggs might have been the most important player on that team. With what he did coming in as a guy, again, he was a late-round pick, too. And with the work he did and the connection he built with whatever quarterback he played for with is huge. And everyone likes Thielen, but Diggs was the better player. And letting him, uh, getting rid of him, I think, hurts. And then Everson Griffin, who was the leader of that team, being gone as well, I think is going to make a huge impact. Let alone the fact that their top three corners are gone. So it's... I don't know who's their starting corner right now. Is Holton Hill the number one? <laughs> I was waiting uh, for I this. think that. Yeah, I think that they're... The Vikings have a history of drafting corners in the first round, and they have two first-round picks. I, I I see them definitely taking a corner. Speaking of first-round corners, they currently have one as one of their starting corners. Um, let's go oh, back Mike to – Yeah, Mike Hughes. It, it, let's go back Hughes. to you know the previous exercise here. If you guys can name the other starting corner, I will give you a virtual high five. <laughs> it, it can't be Holton Hill. Nope. It's not Holton Hill. This is according to Our Lads, by the way, who's usually pretty good, actually, uh, Our Lads. But um, OurLads.com has Mike Hughes as one of the starting corners, if you guys can name the other. Man, I am at a loss because I, I don't know who they got left. You're not Hold gonna on, guess I'm it. cheating. I'm cheating right now. I'm You're going not going to guess it. You're not going to guess it. I'm, I'm looking up CBS Sports right now. I'm going to shut it. Well, that's cheating. Oh, yeah, I just told you I'm cheating. But it's like legit cheating. Like you're just going straight to the source, the opposite. Oh, yeah, 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 I am. Wow. Before he does that, I'm going to maintain my (laughs) dignity here. It's Nate Meters. Nate Meters, I didn't even know he was in the NFL anymore. So Nate Meters is your current current, uh, cornerback two for the Minnesota Vikings. You can certainly pencil them in for drafting a corner in the 2020 first-round draft. Um, 
it, it's a mess in Minnesota. That's there's no other way to put it right now, and um, it makes me so happy considering the fact that Vikings fans came out after the team signed Kirk Cousins to a mega deal and said we're going to win the Super Bowl, and everybody <laughs> else is like, no, you have other holes. Kirk Cousins does not fix your holes, and now they're sitting here with major roster problems, and they're looking at again like the Bears roster purgatory, like the Lions roster purgatory. It's a great time to green, to be a Green Bay Packer fan because next year, unless these teams make significant changes, they're just they're they're going to be in the same position, if not worse. This is just, yeah, this offseason, people com- complaining about the Packers not doing enough to upgrade the offense or fix the run defense, but compared to what these other NFC North teams have done, the Packers are head and shoulders at least this offseason above them in terms of just making good smart decisions. Well, absolutely. And it gives me a lot more respect for what Russ Paul has done with the cap compared to you look at the rest of these teams who don't, man's a wizard. Who don't <laughs> have the cap that they've done. And then w- with Detroit, yeah, I think you got to think corner and receiver probably when they go into the draft because uh, Olabisi Johnson's their number two. And otherwise it's Tajay Sharp and Chad Beebe. That's not exactly fear inducing when you're paying Kirk Cousins the size of a small country. That's <laughs> it just. And and then you factor in the Michael Pierce contract, where Pierce is a solid player, but he got nine million a year. And I know there was we were talking about the Packers maybe making a run, not for three years and twenty seven million. That's that's crazy for for a run stuffer. And yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota all three of those teams are in going to be in cap trouble very quickly beyond anyone's wildest dreams. So I want to take a quick uh, uh, public service announcement here. Um, I love Russ Ball so much that I'm about to go on my Twitter and edit my name to Russ Ball Stan. So you can go over there and check that out. But Russ Ball is, he's the savior of this team at this moment. I don't know what Brian Goody comes to be doing without him. You know, when, when we look back at the GM race uh, for the Packers a couple of years ago, I am completely okay if it was if it would have been Russ Ball that had been named as the head general manager with some football uh, depth We'll call them lieutenants, not deputies, but lieutenants. Um, Russ Ball is a guy that should never leave Green Bay, ever. They should give him all the money he ever wants. And hopefully, if he's listening to this, he does get paid at some point because he fully deserves it. Um, but yes. Sorry, Jimmy Ball. Graham's agent. <laughs> Better than Jimmy Graham's agent. It's true. Because even, well, maybe, maybe not. Because Jimmy Graham's agent convinced Russ Ball, who is a wizard, to give Jimmy Graham money, which is one thing. But moving on, Russ Ball is a guy who should never, ever leave the, the area of Green Bay, ever. Well, you're, you're, you're right. When you, when you look at the, the, the quartet right now with, obviously, Mark Murphy as the head of everything, but then you have Ball, Gutekunst, and Matt LaFleur in that trio, and then you factor in guys like Hendrickson and all the scouts that they have. This front office is in really, really good shape. They have uh, some great football minds, great financial minds, and they know how to balance each other out. And we, as as Packer fans, as people who follow the team extensively, like we all do, we all write about them. We obviously are podcasting right now. This front office has been in great shape ever since Bob Harlan stepped in, the exception of the Mike Sherman stretch, but we'll forget about that. But otherwise, the front office has been in great shape for almost 30 years, and we, we, we can't take that for granted. Like they, This... The way this team is structured is set up for long-term success. 
And it's a lot of it's thanks to those guys at the top. It's true. It's true. And I think with that, we should move into talking about the moves that the Packers have made recently, i.e. Devin Funches, uh, maybe some of these future moves. But the, the team is very well set up right now. Well, actually, yeah. Just earlier, we talked about a little bit about Kirksey and Wagner. Uh, and and from what I've been reading also about, about the with the compensatory pick things, Funches will negate the seventh round pick that they were scheduled to get for B.J. Goodson. That's fine. So I'll take it <laughs> right now. So right now, if this this holds, it'd be a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth for in 2021. A fourth for Blake Martinez, a fifth for Brian Blog, and a sixth for Kyler Fackrell. I'll take that uh, for for those guys paid, and good for them for getting paid as well. But but this. But the way they've done it and and bringing back guys like Will Redmond, who's a key special teamer, bringing back Tyler Irvin, uh, extending Lucas Patrick at the end of last year, that they're, the, these moves have been under-the-radar moves, but they are all underrated key points of bringing this team forward. And I, I, I like what they've done keeping their own guys, with the guys that they've kept that were their own guys last year. Can we talk about Lane Taylor real quick? Like, Lane Taylor, yeah. everybody wants the team to move on from Lane Taylor. At this point, where we are with the Packers' offensive line and the departure of Brian Bulaga, why are you going to get rid of a starting-level guard in the NFL who is on a discounted contract, likely for pennies? The fact that the Packers have not traded Lane Taylor does not speak to his market, I believe, it speaks to his inavailability by the Packers. I don't think Lane Taylor was ever available by Brun- by buying Gutekunst to the NFL. I-, I I do believe that he had intentions of keeping him and moving forward with Brian Taylor or Lane Taylor, excuse me, as his sixth offensive lineman in 2020. Now that doesn't excuse the Packers from drafting a tackle high, which I think will be one of their first three picks in the 2020 draft. I think they will draft an offensive tackle. But Lane Taylor is going to be a Packer in 2020, and I think you can take that to the bank at this point. Yeah, I think that if they would have released him or done something, it would have happened already. Yeah, the only option would be if they were going to do a draft day thing to free up some money to bring in like a, like a Stax Harrison or a Timmy Jernigan. But, yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm tempted. I agree with you. I think he's going to be a Packer this coming year. And, and yes – He's a he's a he's gonna be a backup guard, unless uh, Billy Turner really struggles or they kick him out to right tackle. But Taylor is a, is a pretty valuable piece of that locker room. He's homegrown uh, Packer. They brought him as undrafted guy. He he's been uh, with the team for a while now. He started for a couple years, and he he dealt with adversity pretty well because remember when he got put into the starting lineup after Josh Sitton got cut, he he was brutal in that preseason. But he came into the lineup and he didn't miss a beat and he played well. And he's a guy where he he's gonna he's gonna be a leader in that offensive line room despite being a backup, and I gotta think he helped mentor Elton Jenkins at that left guard spot after he got replaced by him after he got hurt. So that there there's some intangibles there that do help Lane Taylor out, and I think will make him a more valuable player than people think in 2020. Well, he's the most tenured offensive lineman behind David back behind David Bakhtiari now, with Brian Bulaga gone. Lane Taylor is your second most senior offensive lineman. Like you said, he's going to be a leader in that room. I don't think you can discount that 
and the fact that the team has never there's never really been a rumor about Lane Taylor in any kind of tr- in any kind of trade talks. It was all fan speculation. There's never been a rumor about Lane Taylor. I think the pa- I think this was the Packers' plan the whole time. I don't think they ever wanted to bring back Brian Bulaga, and that's really sad. It's really sad, but I, I think that they knew that they were going to get outpriced and that Lane Taylor could be their emergency plan, and they never planned on moving him. Yeah, I, def- I definitely can see your point, and I agree with it. Uh, I'm, and I love, like Lane Taylor. I think he's... He he's a he's an underrated player and he's he's a good fit for this team and I and if if he's your sixth lineman, you're, that's a pretty good shape to have as your as your sixth offensive lineman when you have him and Patrick and help a uh, rookie that's going to be coming in most likely in the draft and that that's that's a good room to have and th- this team is building a full fifty was it fifty eight now that they're that, are, that they extended to with the new CBA but what. But with the extended roster, they're bringing in a good, balanced top-to-bottom roster compared to what we've seen the past 10 years that we haven't had since 2010. And so having this top-to-bottom group, I think is only going to help, and Lane Taylor is going to be a part of that. I agree. Fully, 1,000% agree. So I think with that being said, we've been talking for quite a while. I think it's time for us to start to wrap things up here. So when you look at the NFC North, I think it's – most people would agree the Green Bay's done the best in the offseason so far, just with the way they've managed things, with the way they're set up for the future. And the and the other three have a lot of questions to ask of themselves as far yeah, as it, fixing yeah, some had, big holes. Yeah, if you had to rank them all one through four, Green Bay's one, but then I think it's pretty difficult because the other three really haven't done well at all. Who would you who would you put right behind Green Bay at number two? Winnipeg? <laughs> Um, honestly, it's probably Detroit. Probably Chicago. They, well, I was going to say Detroit because they haven't handicapped themselves as much as the Chicago and Minnesota have. That's a good point. I think Detroit might be behind just because the factoring in their, their coaching situation, I think, hurts them a little bit too. That's fair. So crazy that Detroit goes from fourth to second <laughs> without really just, making a, just without making an actual good move. <laughs> well, they're still going to finish last in as far as actual standings go. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I yeah, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota's last. I think we can agree with that. Agreed. They they have made that team significantly worse with the moves they've made the past few years. But I think we can agree that like, far and away the Packers have made the be- have had the best offseason in the NFC North, and and they are miles ahead of everybody else right now. So it's Green Bay 1, Detroit 2, Chicago 3, Minnesota 4. I agree. I can agree with that. With Chicago, you can at least justify, in a nutshell, with a silver lining, the moves that they've made. You can try and you know see what they're trying to do. With Minnesota, like they're just tearing down because that Kirk Cousins contract, which they've doubled down on now, is haunting that team. And so uh, the defense is now going to suffer, which was the, which was the backbone of that Minnesota Vikings team, it's now going to suffer. Well, yeah, it's the contract. It's also the contracts like Riley Reef's contract that they gave out to. You talked earlier, Kyle Rudolph's contract really hurts them. And it's just, yeah, because they came in over the cap. So they had to, they had to cut guys before the league year started to try and get under. And that cost them Trey Waynes, Everson Griffin. Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. That 
uh, trading Diggs, Mackenzie Alexander leaving, Linval Joseph. We, we've talked about them all. Like it's that that defense is decimated outside the linebacking core, and so they're they're going to take. And how will that impact the new Hunter? Can, will Hunter be as successful without Joseph and Griffin on the same line? So th- there's so much of so many questions with the Vikings that I won't be surprised to see them as a 500 team. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And that might be generous at this point, depending on what they do in the draft. We'll see. I feel like they're going to take a corner and an offensive lineman. I feel like that's their their uh, their goal. Maybe a wide receiver. Maybe they're they, maybe they're looking at this wide receiver and uh, this wide receiver class and saying we can trade digs and um, they're going to take a wide receiver and a, a corner. You know, really add to those those uh, perimeter skill positions. But we'll have to see. Definitely. So I think with that, I think it's time for us to say so long for now. Uh, Chris Schimmel, where can people find you, and are you working on anything right now? Not right now. I'm going to eventually with the you know quarantine and all that. But uh, right now, you can just find me on Twitter at, at Chris Schimmel. And Tyler, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay busy, um, specifically with football work. Uh, the day job has slowed down a little bit, unfortunately. Um, I'm still I'm still here and working, but I'm trying to find time to watch film. Um, so I originally said at the beginning of this offseason I would not have the time to watch the amount of prospects I watched last year. That is quickly changing. So I'm hoping to put out a 150 big board um, within the next couple weeks. And, um, you know, I, I obviously had a focus on the defensive line in the Cheesehead TV draft guide. So please go sure or please be sure, excuse me, to go ahead and check that out. Uh, pre-orders are still active for the next couple days. So please go ahead and check that out. Uh, the She's Had TV Draft Guide. It's a great resource. Um, it, it's a lot of really good people putting work into it. Um, so it's worth your your $6, in my opinion, $7. But at the same time, I'm always on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. So please be sure to check me out there. Um, I will be offering my unsolicited reactions to everything that happens within the Packers offseason. Excuse me. Well, absolutely. And I'm actually still putting in 40-hour weeks, so I'm still working full-time at, at the local radio station here in Wisconsin. But so, luckily, since there's no sports, it's all music, so I have time to to go on Twitter and interact with people. So uh, find me at Mike Wenland on Twitter as we get closer and closer to draft night. I'm also working on a long-form article for Dairyland Express comparing uh, Brian Gutekunst to the Patriots and Ravens systems of player acquisition and contract structures. I'm doing a lot of research for that right now, hoping to have a long form article out in the next couple weeks with that. So stay tuned for that on Dairyland Express. And of course, don't forget as well to find us on Twitter and find our GoFundMe for the food, for our food drive that we're doing for feeding America. It's, it is a cause near and dear to all of us. It's, it is such a big part of what we've been doing the past week. And, and we're so thankful to everyone who has helped out with that, who's who's donated, who has helped us spread the word for it. And again, find anyone on Twitter. Go on the go on Packaday Podcast at Packaday Podcast. It's all going to be there as well. And go help us support Feeding America and help us raise our goal. Right now, our goal is at five thousand. We're hoping to hit that and then even go further going forward. So just everyone, please go find us for that. And and we can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done. So with that being said, again, find us where podcasts are found as well. For Chris Schimmel and Tyler Grizzagork, this is Mike Williams saying so long for now. We'll talk to you again next week and stay tuned for more Packaday Podcast content every single day here on the Packaday Podcast. And of course, then as always, Go Pack Go!